Thank you, Jabron. Um, thanks, kids. So today, kind of our theme, we're looking at this idea of welcome, biblical welcome, and, and this story exemplifies that in, in, a, in a really good way. Um, my name is John Maurer. I'm the lead pastor of the Foothill Vineyard Church. Thanks for coming, celebrating, and worshiping with us today. And uh, if you're a new family, if you're with us today, um, we do family Sundays once a quarter, so this is our family Sunday so it's a little more distracting and a little more fun and a little more everything. So um, here we go. And I do want to say thank you guys. My wife and I, um, we've been here about seven months now. And we just feel so blessed to be a part of this church community. We really do. From the bottoms of our hearts, like, like we, we love you guys. And, and um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for welcoming us in, loving us, caring for us, and being so gracious to our family. Um, so we are in the middle of the series, and we're going to uh, kind of, we're going to finish up the series on Easter Sunday, so we have a couple more weeks left, but today I want to look at this idea of true welcome, and this sermon series is, uh, meant, uh, it's for 40 days long, and it's meant to lead up to us celebrating a baptism and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning. And we've been encouraging you guys, trying to inspire you, encourage and nudge you to take little leaps of faith during this 40 days. And what if we all took little leaps of faith in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities, um, in our schools um, throughout this season? Who knows what God would do with that? So we, during this season, we've had, we have five practices to help you meet God at the edge of your comfort zone. And if you have your, your bulletin, your communicator, pull this sheet out. Uh, we started giving these out a couple weeks ago, but maybe you haven't fully stepped in yet. Maybe you actually haven't um, done this yet. And what we want to do is, like, like, everybody jump in, even if you're kind of jumping in halfway through this. So, um, we said that these are five practices that are going to help you meet God at the edge of your comfort zone. So the first one is the big personal ask. And what we're doing there is we're identifying one thing we'd like God to do for us. And we're saying we're going to pray for that thing each and every day. Just we're not once a day, every day we're going to say, God, would you break into my situation, into my life in this way? And so... Um, I want to encourage you to find out what's, what's something that's on your heart that you would like God to break through in your life. Um, and kids, you guys can do this too. Youth, you guys can do this too. Um, this is a great way for us to, to say, God, here we are, and, and to start stretching ourselves and, and looking towards God for our answers in our life. So the second one is give something up for the next 40 days, or for us now it's 20-ish days. Um, but we're not saying food or anything like that. We're actually saying, what if we gave up maybe that criticalness towards the other? Or what if we gave up judging? Or what if we gave up, you fill in the blank, so what could you possibly, and just so you know, I'm, I chose to give something up, and it's very difficult. Like those inner heart issues, man, it's like a constant struggle and stress for me because I feel like I failed. And part of me doesn't want to share with my wife what I gave up because she'll hold me to that account, like she'll be my accountability partner. So, um, she said that she could already tell. Okay, number three, 
identify and pray for your three. John, what's my three? It's three people that are kind of on the periphery of your life. Maybe they're neighbors or coworkers, but they're not part of your church family. So identify three people in your life and just start praying for those three. Number four, blow some money or kindness on one of those three. And we talked about that a couple, two weeks ago. Just blow some money, like give away something kind, but make sure it's, it seems normal, okay? Um, and just like a plate of cookies, um, a plate of cash, it sometimes can come across awkward, okay? So just be, be, be aware of the dynamics there. And then the last one, experiment with the daily devotional. We printed a, a devotional for you to just have scripture reading and prayers um, tied into our life through this season. And if you don't have your own devotional, um, this is a great way to, to use something and, and be part of a group as we're moving forward together and connecting with God. So two weeks ago, I used this illustration of uh, a castle and a moat. And so we said, two weeks ago, we said, this, ca- this is my castle with the people that I love and that I cherish. Um, Haven, can you, Haven and Judah, can you come up here and help me? Um, these, these, this is my safe zone in my life. These are two of my kids. Come sit down with dad. Okay, so this is my safe zone. This is a place where I feel comfortable, where I can connect, where I feel the most comfortable in my life. It's a place of safety. And right around this place of safety is a big moat. And on the other side of that moat is the rest of the world. And we talked about what if we crossed the moat? What if we were the hands and feet of Jesus to other people around us? What if we chose those three and really actually tried to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their life? Now today, I want to look at one step past this. So this is, when we get past the moat and we're willing to cross the moat, to meet God in action in people's lives, that's one thing. But it's another thing if we can actually take people with us across, come here, come here, is it okay? (laughs) If we cross, if we brought people with us into our safe zones, hang out with us, okay, I know. (laughs) And we welcomed people. And I think the church, if we were willing to do this, it would change the world. So it's one thing for us to cross over the moat. It's another thing for us to say, what if we offered welcome to every single person that we meet? What if we saw them created in the image of God and were willing to stretch ourselves and move beyond our comfort zone? Because guess what? You will meet God at the edge of your comfort zone. Let's give these guys a big hand. I know it's awkward. Thank you. Um, so that's where I want to go today, and we're going to keep things shorter. Um, but but for, for just for your brain, as we're talking about this concept, so we're talking our own space, our own home, but we're also talking about the church. So this, the castle is our home, our place where we feel safe, but it's also the church. And sometimes the church, we close ourselves off, we feel comfortable, but what if we were willing to cross the moat, reach 
people and, and actually welcome them on into that safe space. So uh, there was a guy from Sacramento, California. He took his dog to the veterinarian and asked them to cut off the tail completely. Uh, the veterinarian said, I don't like to do that, and why would you cut the tail completely off? This is a true story. And the man said, well, my mother-in-law is coming to visit us, and I don't want anything in the house to suggest that she is welcome. <laughs> yeah, horrible, right? Did you know that being well... <laughs> It takes a while to sink in, doesn't it? <laughs> being welcome is something that we, God's church, should be known for. As If we're followers of Jesus, we should be known for our welcome. Now, true welcome is simply the fr a friendly and generous reception of people, um, guests and strangers. Guests and strangers. So, True welcome is simply the friendly and generous reception of guests and strangers. True welcome is hosting people in our homes for, with, for meals. It's having people stay or live with us for a period of time. Uh, it's making our church a welcoming place where we are just happy that ever, anybody shows up. We're happy. We're, we're gracious. We offer that welcome and we offer that love. Biblical welcome was strongly emphasized in the New Testament for two main reasons. One, because it showed pra the practical love of Jesus towards the community, but it was also very practical 2,000 years ago. So in the Roman Empire, where Christianity began, the, the roads were actually quite good in the Roman Empire. Uh, at the empire's height, there was 53,000 miles of roads um, laced throughout the Roman Empire. And, and some of those, actually, some of those roads still exist today because of how well they were made 2,000 years ago. Um, so they, these solid roads were a way for Rome to move, move both goods and services around the empire safely and efficiently. However, there was one problem, and historians point this out, and it was with the inns. The hotels along those roads were less than favorable. They had terrible reputations. So we know from historical record that they were filthy and unsafe. You'd get robbed all the time. They were rodent infested and most served a dual purpose also as a brothel. So these unsafe environments, these inns, made Christian welcome all the more important. In our world, um, it seems to be more and more dangerous every day, doesn't it? It seems that way. Uh, people feel vulnerable, even in their own homes, and on guard. In the presence of others, many environments are hostile. They're competitive. They're, they feel unsafe. But safe places and safe people are really few and far between. But what if you and I were that safe place? And what if our church and the churches in this area were safe spaces for people. Just 100% safe. That long lost dream can be a reality. 
And guess what? This can all really happen for one main reason, because we've been welcomed by God. We can offer the world a safe place, a healing place, simply because that's what God has offered us. And we've accepted that invitation. If you're a Christian, you're, you're saying, I'm following Jesus. I've accepted you. We've been welcomed by God. And now our response is we become a welcoming people. During World War II, uh, an entire French village risked their lives to shelter Jews. Uh, when Pastor Andre was asked, uh, why did your village respond the way it did? He said this one line. He said, I could not bear to be separated from Jesus. I could not bear to be separated. It's as if Jesus was asking them to welcome the other, and they just couldn't help themselves. They had to respond. And I love that story. It's, it's, uh, it's, it should get underneath our skin. There should be a response from God's church where we are just, we live out true welcome wherever we go. Biblical welcome is not about impressing others, well-decorated, clean homes, and you have to listen to me because some of you have already said, John, I can't do this. And actually, my wife and I, we, we had a, couple, a family over on Friday night, and we, like, spent hours cleaning, like, trying to make it all pretty. Guess what? Welcome is nothing to do about a clean house and gourmet food and making sure that everything's perfect. And some of us have to get that over our head because that's what we think being a good host is. Well, what if we were okay with the little mess in the corner? Because biblical welcome, I think that that's just, that's okay. It should look like that sometimes. We're, I mean, we have five kids. We can barely keep up with ourselves. I'm always happy on Sunday morning when I have clean clothes to wear. <laughs> Thank you, yes, yes. Um, so it's not about decorating beautiful rooms in our homes or the cooking gourmet food a welcome is a way of loving our neighbors in the same way god has loved us and the early church shaped their life together through the practice of welcome here is acts chapter 2 verse 46 they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people our world desperately needs safe people and safe places. Welcomes one of the ways that we become God's embracing arms in a very um, hostile wor world that we live in. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to our main text. is going to come from uh, Luke chapter 14. And we're going to start there. Um, so... Luke 14, we're going to start in verse 7. We're just going to go through this passage together. So, when he noticed how the guests picked places of honor at the table, we're talking about Jesus, Jesus told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than yourself may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Verse 10. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he will say to you, friend, move to a better place. 
Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So in American culture, we don't really have seating protocol. Um, but 2,000 years ago, there was seating protocol. Uh, here, it's very, you could say, loose seating protocol. But in, there are certain parts of the world to this day that they have very serious seating protocol. In Asia, for example, my brother lives in Kunming, China. And if you're at a business event or a government meeting, where you sit is of utter importance because it, it's, it's, it's your status and it's all about what's important in that culture. So, and what I'm hearing from Jesus here so far is that humility is the central value of being a guest, of being a good guest. Humility. Assume that your honor and preferences are less important than the person that's hosting you and the person that's serving you. So following this passage, Jesus then talks about what does it mean to be a good host. Here is verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I think that's fairly self-explanatory. Don't host people with the expectation of appreciation, pats on the back, getting something in return, and include people. Include any and all. Uh, Corey Temboom, um, if you haven't read her, some of her stuff, you should. Uh, she, um, she, one of her books is called In My Father's House, and it tells her story of um, when their family used to welcome uh, Jewish people into their home. And as they would invite Jewish people to, in their home during World War II, that whole family got carted off to a concentration camp because of their welcome. But this is, uh, Corey's mom used to say this, and this is quoted from the book, there's always room for one more person at our dining room table. You are welcome in our house, and we are grateful to have you. That was the heart of the Temboom family. They offered welcome to any and all. And um, at, there was many nights where Corey would talk about uh, the soup had to be so watered down that it didn't have much flavor left because of so many people that they had welcomed into their home that day that needed something to eat. And I think, what a great example of welcome. Willing to have the meal watered down. Willing, in the end, you know, they got a ticket to Ravensbrook Concentration Camp for their biblical welcome. But it didn't matter. Corey's dad and sister died in that place. And what stops us today from offering true welcome is sometimes as trivial as like dirty dishes in the sink or not the perfect meal, right? Here's something else I noticed from this account in Luke. It 
here in Luke 14 is that Jesus is both speaking about the situation at hand as well as his mission on the earth. So there's two stories going on here simultaneously. Uh, In the present, Jesus is in somebody's home and he's being hosted. And at the same time, Jesus is talking about his heavenly mission here. He has come to earth in humility, uh, in the posture of being a servant. He's born in a stable. He refused political power. He's going to die so that we could have life, okay? He came to the earth in humility. Jesus was humankind's ultimate guest. He took no place of honor while on this earth. And we're told that God the Father has seated him at where? His right hand. In the place of honor. He came in uh, humility and was asked to move to a more prominent position. So Jesus is talking about here on this earth. But he's also talking about his earthly mission at the same time. Now, Jesus never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. He then addresses what he means to be this good host, which is what Jesus has been actually doing all along when he came to this earth. Jesus has a host of blessings to offer humanity. He gathers people and creates community. He addresses their physical needs. He offers us hope and reconciliation. Jesus is a living, breathing, banquet, feast for his people. And he offers himself to us for that purpose. He is a living, breathing, banquet, feast for us. And at the same time, Jesus invites us to partner with him as hosts, extending ourselves to others. He's saying, be like me, imitate me, partner with me. Be willing to not only be comfortable here and cross the moat, but be willing to bring people back to those safe places. Be willing, be open to that. Follow me in being hosts for this world. Here is Luke 14, 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet banquet was ready, he sent the servants to tell the guests, come and the the banquet is ready. Verse 18. But they all began making excuses. One said, I bought another, I bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, now I have a wife so I can't come. (laughs) I think that last is pretty legit actually maybe. Okay. Verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they said they had said his master was furious and said go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor the crippled the blind and the lame after the servant had done this he reported there's still more room so the master said go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full for none of those i first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet Jesus sets the whole of his mission in the context of hosting. It's one of the many metaphors used to describe the kingdom of God and his earthly mission. How is this banquet like the kingdom of God? 
Well, the kingdom of God is the reality where the poor, oppressed, and the outcast are welcome and treated as equals. That is the upside-down kingdom of God that he offers us. The kingdom of God is a reality where the hungry can eat and the thirsty can drink. The kingdom of God is the reality where divisions between rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female, no longer matter. The kingdom of God is the reality where anybody can have a relationship with God, not just the elite in the religious temple system. Anybody can connect with God. Anybody can have that ongoing conversational relationship with the creator. The kingdom of God is true welcome. And when we practice welcome, we are prophetically enacting the kingdom of God now. I think we ought to be hosts like never before. Be willing to open up some of our safe spaces and just welcome people now okay david this is my last story and then i have a couple practical tips for you david's a third grade boy who spent four hours on sunday night preparing all of his valentine cards um, for his friends at school and david got his markers out the paper out um, envelopes he wrote on each one he didn't have these prefabricated, bought cards. He made a card for every person in his class. And so he signed each one, he drew on each one, he wrote each one a special note, and um, he packed it, packaged it all together. And David went to bed that night, Sunday night, so excited to go give these cards away in school. And he got to school, and they had made these, each kid made an envelope package that they taped on the back of their chair at their desk with their name on it and valentine's day was like on wednesday and they had monday through wednesday to put the valentines in their envelopes and david got to school he's so excited he couldn't help himself he like the teacher's there and he's like running from person to person putting the valentines in then class starts and then at a break time he starts putting more of the envelopes in the right ch children's packages his friends and some of these kids that he he barely knew but he was kind of new to the school and he just wanted to show so much kindness and um, he finishes at lunchtime and he looks in his own envelope and there's none in there and um, not a single one and and he thought maybe they just forgot well mom picked him up from the end of school that day and she noticed his empty envelope. Now, there's still two more days to put cards in, but, but in his brain, he's like staring at this envelope, and she noticed the empty envelope, and he was mumbling, not a single one. Not a single one. And then he starts raising his fingers and starts counting. Not a single one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Not a single one, he said. And then David looked over at his mom and smiled and said, I didn't forget a single one. I put every single card in the right person's envelope. And I love that because David understood biblical welcome. It wasn't about receiving. It was about just giving. It was about welcoming the other and serving the other. So let me give you a couple practical tips. 
Okay, this first one's a big one. And this first one, I've seen, it's insidious. It, it destroys welcome in churches. And it'll destroy welcome in your home if you don't watch it. And that is, being critical is the death of welcome. The death of it. We all have preferences regarding time and noise and chaos versus structure, cleanliness, dietary restrictions, modesty, child behavior. You guys, there's an argument for everything, right? Okay. Well, Jesus came to this earth with incredible grace. He was known for accepting people with all of their quirks. Learning to imitate him is a path that we are called to grow into, guys. So we need to always err, always err on the side of extending lavish grace in your welcome. Being critical is the death of biblical welcome. So don't be critical. And you're going to have to guard yourself. If you're naturally critical, maybe that's something you should give up for 40 days leading up to Easter, okay? Um, but this is a big one, and I see it all the time. Like, we have our standards, and we impose those standards on others. And it's time that we just kind of back off, okay? Number two, uh, and my wife hates this one. I was talking to her last night, and she's like, this is disgusting. I don't want to do that. Well, here it is. I think it's still a good idea. Have a leftovers gathering. Invite people to bring what's left over in their refrigerators Kate, okay. Kate doesn't like leftovers, okay? But here's my point. Don't try to make it perfect. So if you're the person that likes to have the perfect meal cooked, perfect, everything for you has to be like that Martha Stewart touch, maybe just let that go and do this and say, hey, bring what's left over in your refrigerator. I know it... Don't invite Kate, but <laughs> invite others. But, but the point is focus on the guests, right? The main point is just to be together, to be experiencing welcome. Okay? Number three, be intentional about welcome. Schedule it with people that you'd like to get to know better. Maybe practice welcome with one of your three that you've hopefully identified. Uh, maybe even try hosting a complete stranger and you can pick up a complete stranger on couchsurfing.org. I'm serious. They, you can sign up and they'll contact you and they'll sleep on your couch. Um, yeah, it's called couchsurfing.org. Some of you want to sign up, you can sign up. <laughs> uh, but, but here's my point. So maybe, you, actually, most of you will probably never do that. But my point is, I want to stretch you to get off the couch, to move across the moat, start connecting with people, and saying, this is my safe space. Welcome. You are loved by me and by God. And whatever that looks like for you, I want to encourage you to, like, let's move in that direction. And my last one today, if you have the gift of mercy, helps, service, or hospitality, sign up and start serving in the red carpet team 
if this is the team that's ushers, greeters, the lunch team, etc. This is a fantastic way to welcome people to our church and use your gifts on a regular basis. So if that's you, you have those gift, that gift type mix, sign up, start using your gifts because that is what the church needs. It needs those people that are just welcoming. Let's all stand. As we sing this song, we're going to invite the prayer team up. And the prayer team today is our youth and kids. Okay? So kids that want to be on our prayer team, come on up. Come on up. And our adults are going to get some prayer from you. Okay? So our kids have learned the prayer model just like our prayer team has. And they're going to ask you what you'd like prayer for, and then they're going to pray for you. Okay? So, yeah, come on up. So I have a couple thoughts as you decide to get some prayer today. One, I think there's a couple people here, and you're like, the, you're, you're, uh, even as we're talking today, and even as you're seeing kids, you're like, how are they, and the kingdom of God belongs to such as these right here. Yeah. But in your brain, there's this criticalness that comes in, and and I just want to encourage you, if that's you, get some prayer and say, I want to, I want that to be broken in my life today. Um, kids, just hold on just a minute, because kids are, some adults are going to come and get some prayer from you, and I'm super excited. You just listen to what the Spirit's saying, and let the Spirit pray through you. Um, but Vicki has a, a word for us this morning. Serving. 
or you've come to the Lord and later in life and you didn't raise your children in the church, the Lord says, as for you and your household, it's not just the house we live, but it's our bloodline. And he's saying, I'm taking the bloodline and I'm reversing all the curses, all the generational things that have been set against the bloodline and I'm going to bring them back. And I'm going to restore to you your children, your sons and daughters. And they're the next generation. And they're going to go out and they're going to do the things that we weren't able to do. And he just wants you to have hope. He's saying for the yous that have been just, you're so weary. You've been praying for years. Some of us, it's been decades. And the Lord says, this is the season. I'm bringing a restoration. I'm bringing a reversal for the bloodline, for the families. And also, he just put upon me for, um, I just feel like he wants to minister to some of you. He, I, I got the word Elroy, and I looked it up. I'm like, okay, God, what is Elroy? I know that's the name of God, but what does that mean? And he said it's the God who sees. It was when Hagar went out, and she was, you know, pushed out. And I was thinking about Hagar. You know, Hagar didn't ask for those things. She was trapped. She got caught up in a way that she had no, you know, no choice, really. And we always look at Hagar and Ishmael as, ooh, the bad thing. But the Lord just said to me, there's some of you who have been going through some seasons and you're, you've, been, you've been going through some big trials. And there's been some stuff going on at your jobs. You've been, you've been singled out. You've been, you've been picked on. You've been bullied. There's stuff going on and you don't understand going on for a while and I hear the I hear people saying God don't you see how come this is happening and the Lord says today I'm going to break that chain I'm going to break that fully off of you and he says I see you come to me and I want to pour out love I want to pour out a love encounter like never before because sometimes we just need to encounter God's love and I believe he wants to just pour that love into us and he said us into intimacy, intimacy. He wants to bring us into him to see because he sees. So even those of you, I just want to pray right now. Is that okay, yeah, Pastor, yeah. before? Lord God, I just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, that you would just come right now and to all those people who need that love encounter, who need to sense and know that you are the God who knows. Lord, the encounter that breaks every chain, the encounter that brings to you. Lord God, that your love would just flow through here. The resurrection love of Calvary. I ask for your love, God, more. Even as we end the season and end this session, Lord, that your love would just come upon us in such a way that we would be so welcoming that our families wouldn't even recognize us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. I, I release that right now. I release love. Love. Unconditional love. Love that breaks everything. Love. More. More, Lord. We want all. We want all. More of it. More. Bring Holy Spirit. Come. Just pour out, Lord. Pour out the baptism of love. Lord, you would baptize us as a corporate church of love, that we were just known for our love. Come, Holy Spirit. More. I just want more, Lord. More of you. More of your love. And Lord, I ask that you would reassure those right now, as you are speaking to the hearts right now, that you would show them you've got their kids. 
You got their son. You got their husband. Because you also showed me an ocean as we were driving on a highway. And we're driving in a, in a car, and there's that ocean. And it's flat, and you see nothing but water on top of you. You can walk on the water. But the Lord said there's more. As we dive into the water, there's activity going around. There's so much life, and there's so many things going on that working. Let's sing this song together. Let's sing. And I- 